0: And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, Lighting Our Path Through Law, a show about faith in the law and in the marketplace, featuring the partners from the law firm Mock & Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mock & Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and protecting the rights of the broken and
1: religiously oppressed. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hi, this is Noel stared an attorney with Malkin Baker, and my partner Rich Baker. How are you, Rich? I'm doing well. Thanks, Noel. Well, we've also uh, got a special guest today, Peter Greer, uh, who will be talking to us about his ministry and his work uh, with a book called Mission Drift. Uh, want to get there, but first I want to let you know that this is our inaugural show. We are very excited to be on WYLL, and we are excited to tell you more about what we do as a law firm serving Jesus. We are in the Chicagoland area, but we do represent uh, churches and ministries across the country. And so, Rich, uh, tell the listeners something about yourself.
0: Well, I've been practicing since uh, 1980. Uh, Malcolm Baker, John, and I started in about 1986, and our vision has always been to serve
1: God's people. Well, that's great, and I'm Noel Stern. and I've been working with Malcolm Baker, and I can testify to the fact that that has been John and Rich's uh, vision from the from its inception. But I've been with the firm for eight years. I've just been excited to see uh, that God's calling is very much real for uh, a group of Christian attorneys in Chicago. We look to serve ministries uh, throughout the Chicago land area, and there's just a number of ways. Uh, that we serve God's kingdom. So uh, that is our name, Lawyers for Jesus. Uh, that's this the name of the show. But it's also really uh, just the easiest way for us to sum up what we're about. So I just wanted to get that out. But uh, I do want to spend a lot of time uh, today and this show uh, talking to our guest and about what he does and his work. So, uh, Peter, are you there? I am, yeah. Thanks for having me all right well i'm going to turn it over to rich because i know rich is perhaps your biggest fan (laughs) and uh knowing that uh he has probably dozens of copies of your book in his office and he hands them out to all the churches and not-for-profits that come into our office on a daily basis Uh, let me turn it over to him because i know he's excited to get to uh, questioning you our guest today is peter greer
0: i've known peter for many many years and in fact Though Peter's younger than I am, he's my mentor. And uh, and I'm really glad to have him on as my first guest. Uh, Peter is a Christian advocate for the poor. He's an author, not just of the one book that I hand out to everybody. But Peter, am I right, about eight books right now? That's correct. And he's president of HOPE International, a global faith-based microfinance organization. And I love the way you put it, serving entrepreneurs throughout uh, Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, and Eastern Europe— I'm going to want to get into that in just a minute, Um, but I also noticed, I went on your website and I tried to find out more about you, and I noticed on the website for Hope International, there's almost nothing about you, and that really tells me that Hope International is really not about Peter Greer, it's really something much bigger than that, isn't it?
2: It absolutely is. Yeah, we we want to make sure we don't forget the mission. And the mission uh, is not about any person. It's not about our founder, Jeff Rutt. Uh, it's not about anyone on the team now. And, you know, one of the things that I've done, Rich, is to ask the board of directors to do my final performance appraisal two years after I'm gone. And uh, in no uncertain terms, I believe that's my most important uh, appraisal is two years after I'm no longer with the organization, what remains? Is the mission still vibrant? What has happened to the team? What has happened to the culture? And uh, I want to make sure that we're always thinking beyond the current team and what it would look like to make sure we really fulfill the mission with excellence when uh, the current team is no longer here.
0: You know, Peter, I'm an attorney. I work with over the years, I've worked with hundreds of churches and many, many Christian organizations. And to have that idea of legacy or that idea of passing on and preparing for the future, uh, grooming and raising up future leaders and, and putting that mission first is, is really a rare thing many times with many Christian organizations and even with churches. So I'm, I'm delighted to hear that. Um, I want to get into mission drift with you, but before I do that, I'd like to know a little bit more about Hope International. Um, so it's not about Peter Greer; it's about Hope International. What is Hope International?
2: So it actually was a, a ministry that was failed—a uh, failed charity attempt, actually—that it started after the fall of the Soviet Union and shipping in goods and supplies in a church-to-church partnership, and then over time, uh, recognizing that uh, these these handouts were not uh, necessarily having a long-term impact, and so it was good at a time of crisis, but long-term it actually caused some dependency. uh, As Bob Lupton writes about in his book, Toxic Charity, uh, a sense of entitlement was creeping in, and so there was a recognition that, yes, we are called to care for the poor. Yes, we are called to fulfill, uh, to follow uh, the greatest commandment, to love God and love our neighbor. Yes, we're to follow the Great Commission and to go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, And as we're doing this, uh, we're to make sure that we're loving God with our head, mind, (laughs) heart, uh, mind, soul, and strength. And so uh, recognize that there's got to be a different way of helping long-term. And so transition beyond uh, a handout model uh, to discovering this concept called microfinance, uh, microenterprise development, and really believing that a job is a better way of helping people than handouts long term. And so made that switch. And from the very beginning, though, we were always clear, uh, this is not just about uh, helping people work their way out of poverty but making sure that we are clear, we are intentional about proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we are a Christ-centered organization that tries to alleviate extreme poverty uh, currently operating in 16 countries.
0: Uh, Peter, I look at this, and, and uh, you just said a real mouthful there of many, many different ideas going on. What is microfinance, and, and how does that work in a Christian charity kind of uh, setting
2: Yeah, so maybe the easiest way to just describe this concept of of microfinance is to uh, start with a a different premise, start with the understanding that individuals in poor uh, countries are not helpless. They are not hopeless. They have gifts and they have capacity. And and so it really starts with a changed mindset of saying, uh, we want to go in and equip and empower and not do for them what they are very capable of doing for themselves. And so this idea of uh, employment-based solutions to poverty, what we found is that there is an entrepreneurial spirit born out of necessity in many places around the world. And so we will go in and we will provide coaching, training, helping people to start understand what their gifts are, to understand what they have in their communities. And then we will provide access to capital, uh, initially through a simple savings account, but then also through small loans. We know it takes money to make money, so uh, work with individuals to start small businesses and then uh, step back and watch what they can do, watch these businesses grow and watch their uh, communities uh, begin to flourish.
0: And, Peter, what have you seen in doing that? How uh, it, it sounds like a great concept, but in reality on the ground, uh, what's happening to these people?
2: Well, you know, it's... Uh, in some ways, I want to be careful not to overemphasize because it is a tool. And there are many, many times where you see incredible flourishing. You see individuals, I think about my last trip to Rwanda, meeting an 80-year-old blind widow named Anasita Zia and spending time with her and hearing her tell me, she said, I may be old. Uh, she was about 80 years old. She said, I may be blind, but my children are not going to see me beg. And and so here she was, you know, living through the genocide, having so much. And maybe, you know, 20 years ago, before starting this work, I, I might have looked at her and defined her by what she doesn't have. Maybe I would have defined her as a blind uh, Rwandan widow, but... Today I would define her as an entrepreneurial woman who has hope for the future. Uh she she uh, provided uh She got access to capital built onto her home, so she was renting out rooms. She also uh, took an investment so that she could get better agricultural inputs to improve the yield uh, and have someone farm her fields. And uh, and so that's just one example of what happens when we transition beyond defining individuals by what they don't have and look at them and see their God-given capacity and potential that I believe exists in every country and in every person.
1: That's a really exciting. Thank you for sharing that, Peter. Uh, we've got a lot that we want to get into uh, after the break. So I just want everybody to stand, stay in, uh, and listen. Uh, Peter's going to be uh, transitioning, and we're going to be talking about uh, your book, Mission Drift. We've got some questions on that. Uh, you're listening to WYLL Lawyers for Jesus, and uh, we're just excited. This is uh, I'm already excited to, to see where this is going. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for being our first guest. Uh, I just love hearing the testimonies uh, that you're sharing. Uh, this type of work, this is exactly why Malkin Baker exists as well. Uh, we're a law firm, so we use our, our our gifts, our potential, our our degrees in order to serve the kingdom. It sounds like that's exactly what you're doing in your context. And uh, I just love to see how God has equipped each one of us uh, to to build his kingdom. I mean, really, this is what we're talking about on this show and what we're talking about with you is not your work, not our work, but God's work. And I just love that. Uh, love touching, touching base with other people in different parts of the world and seeing what our Heavenly Father is doing. So um, stay tuned after uh, the break. We're going to hear more about Mission Drift, but I just wanted to ask one question uh, to you uh, and give a, a tease as we go into Mission Drift. What would be one thing if you had a chance to speak to a pastor or a ministry leader that that ministry leader uh, could do to stay on mission? If you just had 30 seconds
2: I would say it starts with a recognition that drift is inevitable unless you actively work to prevent it. Drift will happen. It is the path of least resistance. It will happen unless you are actively preparing and working to remain true to your primary mission.
1: And what is your primary mission? Uh, at
2: hope international we want to unite uh, the greatest commandment with the great commission and see lives transformed by christ uh, and to see individuals equipped to work their way out of poverty
1: excellent and uh and Malkin baker as you guys are all just learning about us our mission is to serve god and represent his people with all their various legal needs and so we are here um largely to make sure that people are free to serve god and their neighbors in their community, in their marketplace. So tune in after the break, and we'll hear more from Peter. Thank you, guys.
0: Hi, this is Rich Baker. We're back with uh, Lawyers for Jesus and the law firm of Malkin Baker. Um, Our guest today is Peter Greer. Peter is the uh, president for Hope International, and we have been discussing its ministry in 16 different countries in which it views uh, those that it's serving as entrepreneurs, not as the poor, the needy, or those who have lack. Peter, I wanted to turn from um, the mission of uh, Hope International and really look at a book that you've written called Mission Drift. The, uh, your premise, and you said this at the beginning of the show, was that uh, if there were one thing you were to say to pastors, it would be, or uh, those who are involved in Christian ministry, unless you're attentive, your uh, organization will drift from its original mission. Um, give us a little more detail on what you mean by that.
2: So what we did is, uh, as exploring this topic of mission drift, Uh, First of all, it was a a personal interest. Uh, We looked around and we saw today organizations that were founded just a few decades ago, we saw them slowly veering off their mission, and uh, initially that might have been an organization that just was so clear about their spiritual mission, they were so clear about their Christian identity, And yet, over time, it seemed to be watered down, and in some cases, it seemed to be non-existent. And so we wanted to understand, how does that happen? And more importantly, how do we make sure that that doesn't happen to us? And so we looked at organizations that had remained true, organizations that had scaled, that had professionalized, that had continued to stay true to who they were. And we wanted to know, what did they do differently from other organizations. All
0: right, so I'm asking you, what did they do differently?
2: Yeah.
0: And, and what are you doing about it? How did you implement that into uh, Hope International?
2: I don't know if this will be a uh, discouragement, Rich, but we didn't find that there was only one area. There's not only one thing that you can do, but it, it, was, it, was, it was several factors. Uh, we found that they thought differently about how they recruit their board and how they recruit their staff. They thought differently about the culture. They thought differently about the metrics that they use. They thought differently about where they access money. They thought differently about their policies and procedures. They thought differently about a host of issues, and it, wasn't, again, one issue. It was just multiple issues. But maybe if there's one thing, Rich, maybe the starting point is simply what we just have been talking about. Do we believe that drift will happen? Is there clarity of our mission? And is there intentionality about making sure that subsequent generations, subsequent leadership teams, subsequent boards of directors are going to keep that mission central to the operation of the organization?
0: Peter, I'm laughing as you do this, because if if I had you on the stand, you would be... uh especially on cross-examination, you would be running at the mouth and that, and I, um, we, we have to break in and, and break that up. Let's, <laughs> let's break that down a little bit and actually uh, break that into the pieces, um, perhaps starting with something that I found very valuable in your book, realizing how valuable Christian mission is and not um, simply thinking of it as service uh, to the community, but specific kind of service to the community.
2: Yeah, and and Rich, you know this better, but uh, in recent court decisions, uh, the idea of even questioning the premise, is an organization like HOPE or many of the other organizations, is our mission purely uh, developmental? Is it really about just poverty alleviation, or is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ an integral part of who we are and what we do, and we believe Strongly, emphatically, that at the very core of who we are, if we forget that spiritual mission, we are not going to see lasting transformation, and we're not going to be true to who we were created to be. And just the moment for me that that happened was an individual that we were working with internationally who had business success. His his life was uh, supposed to be changed, and I uh, went into his home, and it still was a picture of poverty. And so I went back and and kind of scratched my head because he had business success, he had microfinance uh, activities that he was benefiting from, and yet his life wasn't changed. And it turns out he was earning more money. His business was growing, but he was spending it on an alcohol addiction, on gambling, and on uh, at the local brothel. And in my mind, that's not what I want to give my life to. And that stands in such stark contrast when you see someone who, yes, might have transformation in terms of their business. Yes, might have more hope for the future and is also having their heart transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what I want to spend my life doing, and that's what the mission of HOPE is, is to have the physical and the spiritual transformation that we believe, they're both necessary, uh, to see to see true flourishing within a community.
1: And for those listening, Peter, I think uh, it would be helpful. Uh, HOPE International, I am assuming, has a website, and we want to know where to go, because oftentimes when I'm doing something new, or I need to adjust what I'm doing, I want to see an example. Uh, for those of you who want to know more about our firm, you can go to www.maukbaker, which is dot com, or you could call us 312-726-1243. You'll find out just how explicitly we have the gospel and the kingdom uh, on our website, but would you provide our listeners with uh, just where they can go to find out kind of perhaps what you've done with Hope International in terms of marketing or being explicit about the mission of Hope International, not just in terms of what you do, but why you do it.
2: Yeah, you can visit hopeinternational.org, all written out, hopeinternational.org, and uh, for information on the book Mission Drift and uh, what we are doing, a lot of the stories and a lot of the learnings are uh, things that we've changed um, and so some of those are included in the book, but you can go to missiondrift.com. So org and missiondrift.com.
0: Peter, you've talked uh, in your book about a lot of di- um, different areas in which you shore up a ministry so that it does not drift. There's a story that you told in, in the book that has always moved me, and that's about a particular donor situation that you ran into. Could you let our audience know a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, That was one of the early moments before we... Uh, had really thought about uh, doing the research and writing the book. Um, it was one of the formative moments. It was early a- after I had joined Hope, and uh, we were cash-strapped trying to do this mission that we believe God had given us and uh, trying to figure out how do we reach uh, individuals that might have an interest in supporting us.
0: That and cash-strapped so- is something I think that most ministries and and probably most people are, are right there with you on.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it probably is uh, something that maybe many people can relate to, and maybe they can relate to this as well, that there was a donor, uh, a corporation, that was interested in our mission. They liked the model, they liked the methodology, they liked the geography, and there were several individuals that had supported us. And uh, so we were down at Houston, I was on this Houston high rise, giving the kind of final presentation to the leadership team, and uh, they said, you know, again, love what's happening, love the model, love the methodology. They said, there's just one more thing. They said, you keep talking about Jesus, you keep talking about the spiritual aspect of your organization. And because we're a publicly traded company, uh, we can't uh, get behind you. And in this case, uh, this would have been a seven-figure contribution. It it would have helped us serve so many more families. And yet we believe it was a moment. We believe it was a test of saying, is our mission for sale? Um, And if so, what's the price tag on it? And so talking with our board of directors, talking with our leadership team, we came to the conclusion that in good conscience, we could not tone down who we were. We we could not somehow separate the microfinance activities from the proclamation of the gospel.
0: Peter, I have to stop you there. I'm, I'm imagining your boardroom where this comes up. Uh, finances are very, very significant, and, and uh, everybody's discussing them. What did it look like when you did that in the boardroom? Was it just, a, oh, we this is a very clear thing, and of course we won't take that money? Or how did it work?
2: You know, I, as well as several board members, You start from a position of saying, we want to make this work. How can we make this work? Because think of all of the additional people that we could serve. But there was a moment that I think was so clarifying in my own life. It came back to a question of saying, let's start from our mission what is our mission, and will these funds help us accomplish our mission? And as we reframe the conversation in terms of mission, not in terms of growth, we came to a very different conclusion. And I think that's where a lot of nonprofits go on the wrong track, where they start thinking growth is the highest goal, as opposed to impact and staying true to who you're created to be. And so that was a turning point for us, that we said we always wanna make sure we talk and define our mission first of all in terms of christ-centeredness are we being true to who we're created to be secondly are we doing our work with excellence and then and only then do we talk about growth so that we don't have growth that somehow is pulling us away from from the founding purpose and passion uh that
1: that we had you're listening to lawyers for jesus we're interviewing peter greer Peter, this is just uh, wonderful. And I and I hope people will uh, check out Hope International's website. I hope that everybody will go uh, pick up a, uh, a copy of Mission Drift. Uh, if you need a copy, just come into Rich Baker at Malcolm Baker's <laughs> law office. He has about 30 on his desk. He typically gives them away for free, uh, especially to clients. Uh, you can go to uh, Malcolm Baker's website, M A U C K B A K E R.com, or call us 312 726 6454. Uh, Malkin Baker is the name of the law firm. This is Lawyers for Jesus every 3 o'clock on Saturdays. Uh, We'll be talking to more guests, uh, hearing what God's doing uh, in many different spheres. Um, Thank you so much, Peter, uh, for your time, for your work. Uh, We just want, uh, if you would, just close us out in prayer because we want to pray. We've got uh, 30 seconds. If you would close us out in prayer, I'd appreciate it.
2: I would love to. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for the mission of Mock and Baker. I pray that you would bless them um, as they protect uh, so many organizations and make an impact for your kingdom. And for the listeners as well, help each of them to remain true to the mission that you have given them, that your name would be lifted up
1: among all nations. Thank you for this time, and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Peter, thank you so much. It's been a tremendous blessing. Uh, we'll certainly stay tuned to see what you're doing and what Hope International continues to do. Um, anyways, would you provide the uh, website as well so that uh, just in case anybody missed that?
2: Sure, again, it's hopeinternational.org. And if you're interested in uh, what you could do to help your organization or church or charity or business remain mission true, you can go to missiondrift.com. Uh,
1: Excellent. This is uh, Bob Dylan. You've got to serve somebody at Lawyers for Jesus. We serve Jesus. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, uh, Peter. And uh, just tune in next time, Saturday, 3 o'clock.